Well, hey, we are continuing in our series called Get Fit. And we're basically taking the first seven weeks of the year and just talking about fitness from a holistic standpoint. All, all you know, multiple key areas of our life. And so if you've been here, uh, you'll remember these. If you haven't, you can log on online and watch um, past episodes. But basically, we started off talking about spiritual fitness and, and, and how it nourishes our soul to spend time with God in his word, spend time with God in prayer, and, and that helps us achieve a stronger spiritual fitness. We talked about emotional fitness. We talked about the intruder of anxiety that comes into our heart and robs us from feeling peace, and how instead of holding in those anxious thoughts, instead of spewing them out on other people, we lay them down before God in, in prayer, and that'll help us uh, experience a stronger emotional fitness. Last week, we talked about mental fitness, and Pastor Josh talked about this gospel filter that we can put over our minds, and it helps screen the things that'll help our minds understand uh, who we are in Christ, what's true and what's right, and so we can live with this gospel filter and experience a, a really good fitness of our mind. Today, we get to talk about physical fitness, physical fitness. Now, I know some of you are already thinking, great, I need to brace myself because we're going to talk about working out. We're going to talk about, you know, health food, and I'm going to feel really bad about myself because I'm supposed to look like this. You know, this is, this is the image that we're all supposed to attain to, and that's what today is going to be about. I want to assure you that is not the case. <laughs> today has nothing to do with image. In fact, would you repeat that with me, please? Today has nothing to do with image. All right, nothing to do with image. What it does have to do is with the um, care of our body, with the care of our body, and with our sense of purpose, our sense of urgency, our sense of intentionality, our sense of motivation related to the care of our body. And we know that this is a delicate topic because not all bodies are made the same or have experienced the same journeys of life. Some of us have been affected by addiction. Some of us have been affected by injuries. Some of us have been affected by age or disability or sickness or emotional trauma. And a lot of those things will play out in our physical state. So uh, this topic is tricky. It is dangerous. And it's interesting. You think about churches. Churches don't typically tackle this issue. And we'll talk about sin, and we'll talk about praying, and we'll talk about Jesus, and we'll talk about marriage, and we'll talk about relationships, and we'll talk about parenting, but we seem to dodge this one. And uh, we're not going to dodge it. We're going to hit it. <laughs> because I think one of the most compassionate things we can do as, as a spiritual leadership is talk about some of the difficult and uncomfortable topics, even one like this that has a road full of landmines. You know, when you think about the teachings of Jesus, when Jesus taught, he had a tendency to make comfortable people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> And he also had a tendency to make uncomfortable people feel comfortable. And so that's my hope today, that maybe some of us that are feeling a little too comfortable will be motivated, will be spurred on to maybe feel a little uncomfortable in areas we need to grow. And for some of us that are feeling uncomfortable already, that you'll, you'll put that gospel filter on and realize, man, your worth is not based on your image. Your worth is not based on your looks. Your worth is based on God's great love for you and his perfect love for you. And so, but we, we, we need to come and say, let's not dodge the topic. Let's not avoid it. In fact, some of you might already be thinking, does God even care about what shape we're in physically? And I want to say yes, because as you look through Scripture, you see, you see hits on that. In fact, just one of them that I think is just profound that we miss, sometimes it's right in front of our face and we just miss it, is something that Jesus said. Uh, this is captured in Mark twelve thirty. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your, what? Strength. Now, obviously, strength is a bigger word there. It means more than just physical things, but it includes physical elements. So we're all, yeah, let's talk about loving God with all our heart, man. Let's talk about loving God with all our soul, with all our mind. Let's go ahead and leave the strength thing out because it's a little awkward. No, we're not going to leave the little strength thing out. 
Because God wants us to love him with all of who we are, mind, heart, soul, and body. And so we can't dodge the topic. In 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And what I love about that passage is it basically reminds us that training and godliness is superior. It's ultimately the thing that's going to help us in this life and for eternity. But it does say physical training is of some value. And so God does value us trying to care for our bodies. And we cannot try to cultivate a healthy heart and a mind and soul, yet neglect the body. It's all interconnected. In fact, a lot of times, what we do with our body tends to be a thermometer that tells us that something's going on in the other areas. And so if, if I'm out of whack spiritually, it's going to play out some way in, in my mind and in my heart and, and in my body. And, and if I'm not taking care of myself physically, it could be, you know, an alarm that's saying there's things going on in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, in these other areas of my life, because it's all interconnected. Our bodies not only house our soul, but our bodies affect our soul. God has designed us as this interwoven being, and so you can't separate that out. And I think regardless of what difficulties are in our life, I believe that we should press on to pursue the fittest version of ourself as possible. And when we talk about that, it can be a painful consideration. You know, I I referenced this quote a couple weeks ago. I want to come back to it. That we change our behavior when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. And for some of us, we're right there, maybe. And that's where I was two years ago. And two years ago, that's, that's the pain I was feeling. Um, you know, and although it may seem like minor issues to some of you in comparison to what you've gone through, uh, they were a growing concern for me. Because what happened for me about a couple years ago is I started getting sick regularly. I started calling in sick more than I had in years to work. I started feeling um, increasingly tired and weak and lethargic and unfocused. I didn't like the size clothes I had to shop for. I didn't like what I saw in photos of myself. I got winded walking up small flights of stairs. Um, I just could not seem to say no to eating things I knew weren't good for me or eating too much or too often. I mean, maybe America shouldn't run on Dunkin', you know? (laughs) My appetite had too much control. I was lacking self-control. And I had done the tug of war with weight and exercise for 20 years. But like many of you, it was always felt like one step forward, two steps back, on, on and on and on and on. And plus, on top of that, diabetes runs in my family. So at 41, I just stopped and I started looking down the road, forecasting. Where, where is this going to take me? If, if this doesn't change, where am I going to go? Where is this going to take me? And I didn't like what I saw. I saw more sick days, more weight gain, more limitations, more medical issues, less energy to invest in my marriage, less ability to play and interact with my kids, less effectiveness in the lives of others for the cause of Christ. So I hit a wall. I was done. And I experienced a level of motivation I'd never experienced before because the pain of staying the same became greater than the pain it would take to change. And what happened is in June of 2013, my wife Rika and I just flipped a switch and we did it together. And we said, let's just first win the war in the kitchen. And so we just started learning how to eat better. We, we just said, okay, let's pay attention to what we eat and when we eat and how much of what we eat. And we did that for a few months. And then we introduced some exercise into the mix. Man, we just went to the basement and pressed play on a DVD for months, you know, just introducing some exercise. And here we were starting the year of 2014 completely refreshed 
because we had lost, she had lost 18 pounds, I lost 40 pounds, and we experienced the joys that more energy, more focus, more health, and more self-control brought into our life. You know, it's been said many times that we're going to lose uh, the battle between the grave and gravity. And I'm just saying, if that's the case, I'm not going down without a fight, you know? We're not going down without a fight. And I really believe that God has used a healthier body to help ignite in me a more passionate and dedicated uh, call to help people find faith in Christ. And therefore, I feel like I'm glorifying God even more fully now than I did when I was neglecting to take care of my body. Some of you have a similar story. Some of you have overcome even greater obstacles. I was talking to a lady afterwards at one of the services. Man, she, she lost like oh, 200 pounds. And it was just, she was having a completely new life because she was just taking care of herself. Some of you, th- this is again a painful thing because you desire it, but you haven't reached that level of motivation yet. Or maybe there's a huge obstacle in your life that just it's, it's feels insurmountable and you don't know how you can get around it. And that's why I say we need to be able to pursue the fittest version of us as possible. And that's just going to look different for everybody. There's no one universal image we all need to aspire to. We just need to be taking care of the vessel that God gave us. And so I hope that today will bring motivation and encouragement to all of you. In fact, I want to dive into a Bible passage where we're going to hear uh, from a man named the Apostle Paul, who is speaking with the kind of urgency, intentionality, and motivation that I'm talking about. So I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You can turn on your Bible apps. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, this verse is in your program. It will also be on the slides. And if... uh, If you're here today and you actually don't own a Bible, you don't have one, we'd love to give you one for free. So stop by the Information Center and pick one up on your way out. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Here's what we find. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And there's several themes of motivation that I see in just those few passages. And I want to share them with you today. And I want to frame it with this context. I want to be the most fit version of me that I can be by... Running this race, okay? Running this race with what? Run it with determination in my spirit. I want to be the most fit version of me that I can be by running this race with determination in my spirit. Look at verse 24. Look at, look at the, the speaking to determination here. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Now, here what is happening is the Apostle Paul is, is writing to the followers of Christ in the city of Corinth in AD 55. And he's really giving this nuanced illustration of the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games would come every other year to Corinth. And athletes from all over Greece would come and compete in, you know, chariot racing, racing, boxing, javelin, discus, and all these other events. And so the Corinthians would be familiar with the level of determination that these athletes demonstrated for their events. And so he's really using that as, a, as an object lesson for them. And in those events, not, un, unlike our events in Olympics, there was no gold, silver, and bronze. There was no first, second, and third. There was just first. There was just first placed. So when it says run because only one gets the prize, that's what he's talking about. There's all these people that are going to come out of the starting gates, but only one person is going to get a prize. 
And he's saying, so you have to run this race as if you were the one going after that one prize. And that's going to take determination. And when someone is determined, the lines of limitations that we feel in our life become blurred. Sometimes the physical issues or the emotional issues or setbacks in our lives will seem huge. They'll seem insurmountable. But if the Lord gives us motivation and determination, then those lines tend to move. Let me illustrate that really fast by just showing you a brief little video clip. Man, the power of determination. You know, there's just times when that more fit version of you just seems so far away, and there's just too many obstacles. And then, man, if we open our eyes and start to look around at other people who have limitations, obstacles, and go, they're still going for it somehow. And that's motivating to me, to see that kind of determination, because it becomes contagious. It starts to rub off on you, and you go, man, if, if, if people with no arms and no legs can, can take care of their body, then, then so should I. I should be able to take care of better body, take better care of my body as well. Because we're in this race known as life. And you know what? There's a beginning and an end. There's a start and a finish. There's a birth and there's a death. And everyone's in this race. And we've got to run it to win it. And we're not competing against each other. Instead, we're competing against ourselves. We're we're competing against a very real demonic enemy, an angelic being who doesn't want to see us succeed. We're competing against um, a world that makes it very difficult (laughs) um, and sends mixed messages, which we'll continue to hear about today. But we have to press past that with with determination. And determination triggers self-control. Self-control is an expression of our determination. Uh, Look at uh, verse 25, the first part. Paul says, every athlete exercises what? Self-control in all things. So, in order to fit, be fit in all our areas, man, be, be fit financially, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all these areas, it's going to take self-control. And, and it's hard because we live in this world of extremes that, that makes it hard to have self-control. Like on one end, there's, there's complete negligence of the body and indulgence of every food, drink, substance that we can get our hands on. And on the other hand is ultra-control and unhealth where we're kind of trying to control it, or we're obsessed. And so you have these two extremes, and neither one of those demonstrates self-control. And we have to try to pursue self-control through determination. And here's the thing. Uh, God has made it available. He wants us to desire self-control. You know, in Proverbs 25, 28, the Lord tells us, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Isn't that a lovely image? Man, weak, susceptible, vulnerable. When we don't exercise our self-control, if we don't ask the Lord for a determination that will give more self-control in our life, it's like we've got no walls. We're just defenseless, easy to attack, easy to prey on. Some of us have felt that more than we want in our lives. 
And so our lack of self-control will typically lead to poor physical health. Poor self-control of the types of food we eat, with the amount of food we, we eat. I heard Pastor Rick say last week that sometimes we can dig our graves with our forks. Like, that's, that could be very true, you know. Because again, we live in a world that sends mixed messages. I love what Leanne Brisbane, our uh, director of women's ministry, said about this. You know, in her book, uh, My True Reflection, uh, she, she shared her story of 19 years with an eating disorder. She talked about these mixed messages. And here's what she said. She says, to allow our bodies to feel hungry before we eat and then eat only what will satisfy the hunger is something Americans will not do. We eat for pleasure, recreation, to sure boredom, to make us feel better, but we do not primarily eat for the sole purpose of nourishing and taking care of the creation God made in each of us. How was I to know what normal was if most Americans don't eat normally or healthily? The world tells us, go ahead, indulge, eat what makes you feel good, you deserve it. And then at the same time it says, you're only beautiful if you're thin and perfect. <laughs> These conflicting messages are confusing and make it hard to decipher how to truly eat with the right attitude. Man, when we live in this world of mixed messages, what can we depend on? Well, we can depend on the Lord, who's going to give us motivation, determination, and self-control. He hasn't left us uh, unequipped in this area. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gives us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and what? Self-control. So the whole thing, like, ah, oh, I, just, I just can't do it. That's not true. That's not using the gospel filter. That thinking of, like, I just can't do it is a basic denial that, no, no, God has given me the ability through the Holy Spirit to do it. I'm just not tapping into it. I'm not utilizing it. So God's given us the ability to have self-control. We just need to decide that we're going to use it. We're going to pull that tool out of the toolbox and use it. So to be the most fit version of me that I need to be to run this race, I need to have determination in my spirit. I also need to have, run this race with eternity in my mind. Not just determination in my spirit, but eternity in my mind. Look at verse 25 again. We'll read all of it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Paul was pointing out to the Corinthians that when they see this Isthmian races come and all these Olympic events come, they, they see these incredibly um, determined athletes uh, participate in their event all to get the pride of winning, but also this temporary crown. And those little crowns were usually made of either like dried celery leaves or eventually pine boughs. And so it's a little silly if you think about it and linger there long. Like, I'm going to put myself through all this training. I'm going to put myself through all this competition so someone can put a couple twigs on my head, you know? And yet we do the same thing in our life. We sometimes go after things that don't make much sense and really are short-sighted. And so he's saying that these people do so much for something so temporary. Our race is more critical because we have the whole picture in mind. We understand that there's, there's a creation and a fall, and we understand there's sin. We understand the, the death and resurrection of Jesus and how it gives forgiveness for sins and new life and eternal life. And we know that there's all these people that don't know that. And so we run this race not for ourselves, not that someone can do anything for us, but because there's others at stake. And so this imperishable crown is a reference to others being in heaven that we run this race with determination, with self-control, with eternity in mind, because people are going to spend forever in eternity. You and I are going to be forever in eternity, and we're going to be in one of two destinations, eternity in heaven with God or eternity in hell apart from God. The Bible's clear. Those are the two options. 
And so that should give us a, a different level of determination. That should give us a different mindset than the average person because we realize we've got to run this race because we have to have eternity in our mind. That's why we're so passionate about New Life 1024. Well, there's several motivators to why we should take care of ourselves. And, and, and I want to kind of circle around to this thing about eternity in our mind. Uh, the, the first motivator we typically experience to try to be in shape is personal benefits. Just the personal benefits. Nothing wrong with this. This is, this is a lot of times what triggers us at first. Uh, statistics reflect that people who eat healthy and exercise live longer, have less health problems, have better sleep habits, have more mental energy, miss less time at work due to sickness, experience less depression, they feel better about themselves, they have more energy. Man, this is, these are great reasons to want to you know, be in a better shape. Uh, the, the next set of reasons a lot of times people um, will go after you know, growing in their fitness physically is energy and longevity for those we love. Because if I'm in better shape, I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to be a better parent because I'm not going to be sick. I'm not going to be limited. I'm going to be more available. I'm going to be more engaged. And, and none of us desire to have poor health choke out our relationships. I mean, I know that was part of what was in the mix for me. I'm like, man, I'm forecasting down the road going, I don't want to be the dad that's going, I can't go on that hike with you. Like physically, I can't do it, you know, or I can't play with you because it hurts too much. I, I want to be the guy where my kids are adults going, I don't think I can take my dad. I still don't think I can take my dad, you know? I, I want to be like, hey, let's go, let's go climb that hill. Not, oh, they don't want to climb the hill. You know, it's like, those are still good motivators. There's nothing wrong with that. That's definitely in the mix, we don't want any of our relationships choked out by that. We definitely don't want uh, our relationships severed or abruptly cut off because of an early death. I mean, we'd be lying if we didn't say that looking better, feeling better isn't in the mix. Of course it is. But that shouldn't be our ultimate motivation. We should have deeper motives as followers of Christ. And that's where this eternity in our mind should happen. Part of our motivation to be in shape is so that we can live on mission for Christ. So, so that we can be useful to God. That's what Paul's saying here. I want to be useful. I don't want to get DQ'd. You know, Leanne in her book said, said this, and I think it really connects with that. She says, I sincerely wanted to take care of the creation God made and nourish the dwelling place of his spirit so that I could be effective for him. And God has given us this vessel. God's given us this body, not for our own pursuit, it's, it's, it's this vehicle that he's allowed to be on mission for him, to steer, uh, to, to go where he steers it, and to do what he calls it to do. And I'm like, man, I, I never want to be in a position where I can't go on a mission trip because I physically am not able, or I can't serve my neighbor, or I can't make a difference, or I can't, I can't engage in a prayer ministry, or I can't, you know, I can't share my faith, or any of those things because my body won't allow it. And so we have to have eternity in mind. Some of you might be familiar with a man named Nick Wojcik. Nick Wojcik is an incredible guy. He's got no arms, no legs. He was born that way. And he travels the world speaking to thousands upon thousands about Jesus. And he encourages many people that have severe disabilities. This guy stays in shape. He eats good. He exercises. This guy swims. He surfs. He golfs. Like, if you ever go to his website, Life Without Limits, like, it's crazy what this guy does. Why does he, why is he so much like that? A huge part of his motivation is he wants to continue to be useful for the Lord. He wants to, be con to continue to be used to go tell thousands of people about Jesus and to encourage them. He's got eternity in his mind. 
And that's how we should view our bodies, and that's what should motivate us. That's really part of what Paul's communicating. Look, look what he says here in verse 26 and 27. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He's not talking about a salvation here. He's not saying, I've you know, got to stay focused or I might lose my salvation. He's saying, I want to be useful. I don't want my urges, my impulse, my temptations to take me out of the game. I don't want to get benched. I want to continue to be useful for the Lord. That's the heartbeat of what Paul's saying here. Why? Because he's got eternity on his mind. He's saying, because of that, I'm going to discipline my body. I'm going to beat it. Not literally. He doesn't go into like a corner and like beat himself up. But he just, he disciplines his body because he doesn't want anything to take him out. And I think one of the worst feelings for competitors is being disqualified. Because you didn't even get a chance to try. Like it's one thing to lose and go, hey, look, they were better or I messed up, or here was my fault. But, but to be disqualified, you didn't even get a try. And so for the, the boxer or the mixed martial artist that doesn't get a, you know, have their match because they didn't make weight or because they had an injury, that, that, that's, that's torturous. For a team to, to not be able to compete because they don't have enough players or something happened or they deflated the balls or whatever it is. <laughs> Man. I always feel for those guys in football games, you know, when phenomenal pass, and they catch it, and they run it in, or they, they get the ball, and they run down the field, and maybe they score, and then there's a yellow flag. And they're like, if I was that guy, I'd, like, I'd be glaring at my teammate going, thanks a lot, buddy. Why? Because you just wasted your energy. It has no value. It didn't, it didn't do anything. It was flashy. It was showy, but actually didn't have any use. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I don't want to run this race wildly, without discipline, without focus, without turning mind, because if I live my life for me, and I just do me, and I live my life, in the ultimate, it had no use. I gave God nothing to use with my life. He says, I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be out of the race. I want every, everything I do to matter. Well, it's obviously going to involve the use of the body. And so, I don't know about you, I don't want my ministry cut short. I don't want my influence cut short. Um, for the gospel because I'm not taking care of myself. I don't want my family ripped off. I don't want my church ripped off. I don't want the people I love in life to get ripped off because I'm choosing to not take care of the vessel that God gave me. I want to be useful. We should all want to be useful for as long as God would have us here. And which is so interesting because we hang in this balance of God's sovereignty. God knows your last day. He knows it. He knows your last day. So he's sovereign over all that happens, but at the same time, he's given us responsibility to take care of ourselves. It's a lot like salvation. God knows who's going to come to him, but he still tells us to go tell people. <laughs> so he's still in charge of it, but he's, he's asking us to take responsibility. In the same way, hey, look, I know when your last day is, but I'm still holding you responsible to take care of the vessel that I gave you. And so we, we hang in that balance. And so, man, if I'm going to try to be the best fit version of me that I can be, man, I'm going to have to have determination in my spirit. I'm going to have to have eternity in my mind and lastly, what I see here, and it's just encompassing this as well as many other scriptures, is I have to have God's glory in my heart. God's glory has to be in my heart. When you summarize all that we're talking about, all that should be our ultimate motivation for staying healthy and to live the healthiest life we can, it, it's for God's glory. It's the bullseye. If, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with personal benefits. There's nothing wrong with you know, longevity and energy for family. We obviously want to live on mission for Christ. But ultimately, we want this body to reflect God's glory. 
We were made in his image. And so in the same way, like we talked about before, you know, God is light, and his light's supposed to reflect off of us into this world. And part of our reflection is how we take care of the vessel and the vehicle he gave us. And if we don't take good care of it, you know, for whatever reason, addictions or issues or whatever, then some of that glory of God, it, it doles. It doles off of us instead of shines off of us. It has a doling effect instead of a shining effect. And so we were made in God's image. We're, we're this incredible machine that's functioned to reflect his glory. Uh, his glory. And if we, if we misuse it, then some of that glory fades as far as us, not his. Now, I love uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31. It, it, just, it just cuts to the chase on that. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In fact, would you read that with me, please? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All that we do should bring God glory. Everything. The way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, how we, how we take care of the stewardship and management of our body and our, our resources and our relationships. It's all ultimately for the glory of God, especially in this area of physical management. So it's perfectly appropriate to ask ourselves, is the way I'm eating glorifying God? Is uh, my lack of care for my body glorifying to God? Are my attitudes and actions toward food and exercise glorifying to God? Are my attitudes and actions about others when it comes to food and exercise glorifying to God? Is my low self-image glorifying to God? Is my obsessed or inflated view of my image glorifying to God? And this is what it's all about. And us living for God's glory is ultimately, what it ultimately is, it's an issue, issue of mastery. Who's the master? Who's the master? And for some of us, we've convinced ourselves we're the master. And for this short season, God will let you be the master. And so maybe you are taking care of yourself. Maybe you're mega fit and you're a freak about health food and all that kind of stuff. But if you're doing it just for your own purposes, because you're the master, then you're still not doing it for God's glory. You're just doing it for your glory. It's not for the Lord. And so one day, that fit body will go in the grave and you're going to be face to face with the real master. And at that point in time, what do we have to say? At that point in time, what are we going to do when held accountable for all that God's given us to have and to use for his glory? And so we have to be thinking about God's glory and who is master. Some of us are being mastered by our appetites. Some of us are being mastered by our urges. Some of us are being mastered by our lack of self-control or our laziness or our distractedness or our addictions or our justifications. And it's hard to live for God's glory when we have something mastering us that's dulled the reflection of that. And when we allow something to start to take that kind of charge of our life, we become its slave. Like, I don't know if you ever thought about that. If we can't say no, then we're the slave. And we, know, we, th- we only typically think about the big things. Hey, look, if I can't say no to that drink, then obviously the bottle is my boss. If I can't say no to that cigarette, then obviously nicotine is my boss. It's, it's, I, I'm the slave and it's the master. But, but what about that donut? <laughs> What, what about the urge to go make that extra dollar? What, what about that next boy or the next girl that might make me feel better? But, well, you, you name it, we, we yield mastery to all these other things in our life. And God's saying, there's only, that, that, that throne in your heart is a one-seater, and it's, it's, it's my seat. You don't, you don't sit on that, and you don't want anyone else sitting on that. I'm the master. 
You don't want to be a slave. You know, we see in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, verse, the back part of it, it says, for whatever overcomes a person, to that he's enslaved. If we can't say no, we've entered into slavery, a slavery relationship. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I love this passage. It kind of stirs me up. All things are lawful for me. Some versions say permissible. All things are permissible for me, lawful for me, for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated. Some versions say mastered by anything. You know what God's saying there? He's saying, I've given you free reign. You can do, you can do whatever you want. You can get in your car right now and get on 77 and see just how fast that thing will go. Pedal to the metal, all the way down the freeway. It's permissible. You could try that. I don't recommend it. It's probably not beneficial to you, to others around you, or to the red and blue lights coming up after you, you know? Not, that wouldn't be a beneficial decision. You can stand up right now in the middle of service and start yelling and screaming and freaking out, and, you know, you could do that. I don't recommend it. It'd be really awkward and weird. <laughs> you could. God's saying, look, you can eat what you want. You, you, you can be as active or as inactive as you want. It's permissible. It's lawful. Doesn't mean it's beneficial. And then, and, then, and then that punch, I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be dominated by anything. I'm just hoping that for those of you that are at that place where you're going, the pain of staying the same is becoming greater than the pain of changing. This is the kind of verse that just gets you going because you go, I'm, I'm tired of being a slave. I'm tired of being mastered by my appetite or mastered by my laziness, or mastered by this condition that I've allowed to become bigger than it really is. Yes, it'll put limitation on me. Yes, it'll, it'll make it difficult. But you know what? I'm not going to let it master me. Because there's only one that is my master. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Could God be any more clear? He's basically telling us, you think that body's yours. It's not. It's mine. I gave it to you. And although I made that body perfect, and although sin entered into the world and corrupted it, and although we're now have, we're at odds because of sin, I've taken the initiative and the ownership. I've come in person. And when Jesus came and he lived and he died on the cross and he rose from the grave, you know what he did? He gave the purchase rights to our body. He, he was reflecting his ownership. He's saying, I've got the, the title to the house. I've got the pink slip to the car. It belongs to me. So for all of us in Christ, this body's not our own. Because once we place our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live. This becomes the dwelling place of God. And when God's in there, he's going, you have a new owner. And you know what we should say? We should say, thank you. Save me from myself. <laughs> You're not your own. You bought with a price. And the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, purchased us. Praise God. Praise God for that rescue. Praise God for that restoration. Because without it, it'd be hopeless. And you know what? We need to reflect God's glory in the way we take care of our body. And for those that may have major medical issues, you know what? It's for God's glory that you do your therapy. <laughs> it's for God's glory that you undergo your treatment. It's God's glory that you have to still take that medication perhaps or meet with that counselor or that therapist. Not just for yourself, but for God's glory. 
And you know what? If I'm sick or frail, God will glorify himself in my humble state. And if I'm unmotivated or feeling defeated, it's the desire to glorify God that can drag me out of that dark place. And if I'm mega fit and I'm super diligent with food and fitness, then I need to do it to glorify God, not myself. So let us run this race. Let us pursue being the fittest version of me that I can be with determination in our spirit, eternity in our mind, and God's glory in our heart. Here's a take-home statement I have for you. Be the most fit version of me for God's use and God's glory. Now, some of you are close to that pain of staying the same, becoming greater than the pain of changing. What do you do next? I just want to give you a few questions to mull over as you're sitting here. There's three questions that can be a benefit to you as you're thinking, maybe, maybe I'm here. First question is this. Does my level of physical activity glorify God and increase my usability for his purposes? I just have to think about that. Does my food intake, the quantity and the quality, does it glorify God and increase my usability for his purposes? I think this is a significant one. Do I have a healthy gospel filter in this area of my life? Basically understanding your worth not based on your image, but on the way Christ made me and loves me. This, this is a huge area in our life. And so maybe you need to interact with those questions. Come up with the answers. Don't, don't shirk the answers. Find the answers. And as I shared my story earlier, I just I reached a new level of motivation, and at some point, you've got to take action. You just can't be, you know, we're all victims of good intentions, right? At some point, you have to cross that line and go into actions. Here's just a list of different actions. These are ideas that you could, you could implement from today. You know, set a personal health goal and pursue it. Uh, put a sign on your refrigerator and pantry door with a motivating picture or something, a phrase or a question that will help you steer clear of unhealthy eating habits. Uh, start a home exercise program. You know, buy videos or get an online free program. Join a gym. Walk more. Take a dance class. Register for a race. Get a fitness coach. Uh, set up an appointment with a counselor. Maybe there's some emotional things you've got to sort through. Download and use a food and exercise monitoring app like MyFitnessPal or something similar. Buy and use a Fitbit. Uh, get a good health book and fitness book and read it and apply three principles that you learn in it. Uh, spend extra time praying prayers of surrender. Lay down the deeper issues. Maybe those deeper issues are preventing you, man. Just give it to the Lord. Lay it down. Um, get a fitness partner for encouragement and accountability. Man, this is something we really can't do alone. Like for Rika and I, we started at the same time. That was huge for us. I know during the battle when I first moved here, uh, Pastor Rick and I and a few others, we all took on P90X, Right? So, you know, phone would chirp at like whatever, oh, dark 30 in the morning. I'm pressing play. Are you? <sighs> Didn't want to, but now I have to. There's a thought of someone else getting up, you know, and me leaving them hanging. It was enough to get you out of bed. Sometimes you got to just ask someone to do it with you and, and help you out. Find a program on a health website, learn from it, and attack it. Maybe you need to quit smoking or back off the alcohol or quit the substance uh, addiction and get into addiction recovery, something along those lines. Uh, there's going to be more resources, just a few offerings. This is a huge area, and I'm no expert by any means. Um, but if you go to our study guide for this message, especially those of you online, and uh, if you check our uh, Facebook and other social media over the next couple of days, you'll see some other just resources and links that might be encouraging and motivational for you. So, one shot, one life, one heart, one mind, one soul, one body. Let's pursue being the fittest me I can be for God's use and God's glory. Amen? Hey, would you pray with me? God, thank you for the promises of your word. I thank you for all that you do in our life. 
And I know that this is an area of deep pain for so many. Lord, I know it's an area of pain for me for years. God, some of us have given up. God, I pray that today through the power of the Holy Spirit, you woke them up. <laughs> Give them the motivation and determination that they need. Plant eternity in their mind. Let your glory and the desire for your glory take over their hearts. God, for those of us that maybe are doing well in this area, God, may we not drift into vanity and control and self-centeredness, Lord. May we continue to see how we can use this machine, this vehicle, this vessel for your glory, not our own. So God, help us. We want to make a difference. We don't want to be disqualified. We want to be useful. So help us to do that. Lord, for anyone here that Although we're talking about the physical element, Lord, what you've done in their hearts and their minds is you've accentuated the need for their spiritual health. Lord, we know that our bodies mean nothing compared to our soul. God, maybe today there's those you've touched because their soul needs to be fit, needs to be in relationship with you. Lord, would you touch them? Would you draw them close to yourself? If that's you today, you can just say, God, my soul is in much more need of care than my body. I want to come to you today. I believe. I believe that you're God over my life. I believe that you came in person. You died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the grave to give me new life, eternal life. I choose to follow you today. God, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. May we live for your glory. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. Hey, just a chance to respond today. I'm going to give you a minute. All of you have a program with the response card section. Maybe you can share with us what God's done in your heart today. Maybe that extra step of accountability, there's a blank line. Today I'm going to, and there's that big giant blank line staring at you. Maybe you just need to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Fill it out and put it in the basket. Share with us what you're going to do. RSVP to the to next weekend. For those of you who made a decision for Christ, you can mark that, or if you look in front of you, there's a decision card. In the seat in front of you. This is just a chance for you to say, man, I, I, I need to follow Christ. My life's a mess, and I don't know it all, but I've heard enough today that I need to follow Jesus. You know, you can just write down, I'm going to follow Jesus today. I'm going to make the decision to follow Christ. Come into my life. You can fill that out and turn that in. But we're going to give you a minute to interact with those cards, and then in a little while, Pastor Brian will take us out, and we'll transition into worship and the giving of our gifts.